Hello and welcome into another episode of The Lion's Lair. I am your host, John Sauber, and joining me in person as we have been since, I believe, basically since the season started. Uh, it's been much more enjoyable that way. Kyle J. Andrews. Kyle, how you doing? I'm doing well. Um, just reacting to the last couple of weeks that we've been off. Um, I guess the last week that we were off. Uh, a lot of things have happened since then um, that have you know, shaking things up, I guess, not too much for Penn State because they stuck in the same place, but, uh, you know, for a lot of other teams. Um, so, I mean, it, it it's going to be an interesting next couple of months, right? I mean, we we still haven't seen Penn State play the bulk of their, um, you know, Big Ten East opponents, or I, I don't, if I'm not mistaken, I don't think any of their Big Ten East opponents. So Not the three hardest ones yeah. anyways. They've played Indiana. Yeah. So, I mean, that, you know, with that being said, they still have, of course, you know, Ohio State's coming, uh, you know, after this Illinois game. And then you got Maryland. <laughs> um, Which is definitely a, a team that they'll play for yeah, sure. And yeah. also definitely not part of that top three. Yeah. Uh, uh, Michigan remaining. State and Michigan. Well, Michigan before Michigan State. And then, you know. Yeah. With Rutgers sandwiched in between oh, yeah. there nicely. Uh but no, this is, like you said, we were off last week. More specifically, I was off last week, so we did not record. And, you know, I enjoyed a week-long vacation, if you want to call it that. Of course, the big news the week before, Sean Clifford getting hurt against Iowa. An undisclosed injury that James Franklin has not really commented on. He's commented on it, but has essentially no commented it, as he does when guys aren't out for the season. Um, that happened against Iowa in a game that Penn State lost 23-20, to in which it controlled the entire game whenever Clifford was in, uh, even with two interceptions that he threw, a game that they, by my estimation, would have won by around three possessions had that uh, injury not occurred. But it did, and so Penn State now has one loss on the season, uh, I believe five and one on the year, uh, two and one in the Big Ten. Uh, plenty, plenty of football left to be played, though. Your thoughts on sort of that loss in general and how the injury specifically affected it? Yeah, I, I mean – that loss was tough, of course. Um, I think that if Sean Clifford didn't get hurt, um, just because of, you know, I think the the cohesion that they had as a team with Sean Clifford, it's not just on Sean Clifford being hurt, but it's the fact that, you know, the cadence wasn't, I don't know if, well, I mean, like we, we talked about previously, it wasn't just all on Taquan Roberson. It was, you know, partly him, partly the offensive line, partly, you know, Guys not – I mean, a run game's still not necessarily there. Um, and that that's tough. I mean, if you have all of those things against you and those injuries, and that was just on the offensive end of the ball. And I think the defense, despite their injuries, they still played very strong. You know, I, I think that Devon Ellis, he filled in pretty nicely for P.J. Mustafer, to be completely honest. So did uh, Izzard as well. Um, so, I mean – on a defensive end, I don't think the injuries killed them as much. Offensively, I mean, you cannot be in a situation where your, your backup quarterback's completely unprepared. And, I mean, also the offensive line not used to his, uh, his his uh, you know, just the way he, he plays football or I guess the way he, you know, his cadence and things like that. Maybe, you know, coming up soon that'll be different with uh, the fact that he's had – so much time of practice with these guys. I mean, we've you've seen it a little bit, but I, I guess you know they don't show us too much enough for us to understand what he's doing. But I'm I'm sure 
you know, he's probably been looking himself in the mirror. I don't know if he does the the thing that Lamar Jackson does where he, he calls back the cadence in the mirror every morning, you know, or he, he does it in practice or he does it in the film room. Um, I'm sure James Franklin's working with him personally. I'm sure that, you know, you got Mike Yersich. We saw Mike Yersich throwing passes the other day. So, I mean, those are some of the things I think you, you can do just to get him up to speed. And, I mean, honestly, who knows if Christian Veyu has to come into the game at a certain point, you want to have him prepared too. You want everybody to be prepared coming into that quarterback position, especially when you have an injury like having Sean Clifford go down. Yeah, and, and just to circle back here to Iowa, we'll get into Illinois and everything. They've been, as James Franklin said, they've been splitting reps evenly between Veyu and Roberson, so that'll be interesting to watch it play out. But to go back to Iowa, like you said, this was about Roberson not being prepared, right? And he was not prepared for a lot of reasons. He was not prepared because he didn't get enough uh, reps in games. Prior to this game, he had thrown eight career passes. He's in his third year on campus. He had only thrown eight career passes for Penn State. That's inexcusable, right? Uh, He could have come in against Indiana. He could have come in against Ball State earlier. He could have come in earlier against Villanova. There were plenty of opportunities for him to get more time on the field, but the Penn State coaching staff decided not to put him in the game, decided to keep the starters out there. Um, He also didn't get the reps in practice. Listen, I'm, I'm fine with them going heavily toward the starter with reps. I think that's probably the smart thing to do. But when your quarterback, when your backup doesn't have any sort of reps with those guys, you have to get them some. Otherwise, if this happens, it spells doom. And Saturday, it's, or last Saturday, excuse me, it spelled doom for Penn State because they did not have Roberson prepared. And I tell you what, I would I would blame a lot of people for the, the false start issues and the issues with the cadence and everything. Uh, but James Franklin sure seemed ready to blame just Roberson. Uh, and no one else. He said several times post game, and he said it today again in his weekly press conference that they've never had those issues dating back to his time as an offensive coordinator with the snap count. The one change was to Roberson. He mentioned sad, uh, the Saturday after the game in his post game presser that they did not have those issues when Clifford was in the game. They only happened when Roberson is. So clearly, it seems Franklin believes Roberson's at fault for that. Um, and he reiterated again today that they really haven't done anything different with him in practice, that they're doing the same thing. So so whether it is the true reason or not, Franklin seems to to think it was entirely or at least mostly on Roberson, which, you know, th- those guys have to hear him, right? Like he may not be loud enough, but at the end of the day, if, if some guys are moving and some aren't, some people are hearing him and it's on the guys who aren't to, to also get their act together, too. I think it's a combination of all of it, right? It's it's very rarely just one person. It's probably a little bit of Roberson, probably a little bit of Miranda, probably a little bit of Juice Scruggs who gives them the 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 hit on the leg to let them know to snap the ball. But like tossing all that blame on Roberson is tough um, for a kid that got his first major action, went seven of twenty one, I believe, in the game, seven of twenty three, maybe something like that, for less than forty passing yards, threw two interceptions, looked fine running the ball, was able to get in a little bit of a rhythm, but was just not ready for the moment. For a lot of reasons, mostly uh, reasons that didn't have to do with him, some that had to do with his ability level, right? Because that is that is a concern. Uh, you know, he he did not seem like he had the capability to play on Saturday, but I think it's unfair to judge him solely off that. But all in all, I think the the discourse around Roberson the last week and a half has been pretty unfair to this point. Yeah, I don't, I don't disagree with that, and I think when you don't prepare somebody um, and it's easy to push blame off to, uh, to someone else. And I think that's what they've been doing here. Um, especially when, you know, to me as a, as an offensive lineman and you're in a loud environment, how many times have we seen 
where you know guys are supposed to of course of course the right guard with Juice Scruggs you know having so many false start penalties and you know having to tap guys um you know when he when the snap is supposed to go I mean you can't sit there and say that's all on Taquan Roberson because you know as an offensive line you have to pick up your quarterback you have to you know pull him aside I don't care if you're in the I mean on a bench I mean I don't understand why that happens in one drive and then it goes on to happen again in the second drive that doesn't sound like a quarterback problem to me that sounds like an offensive line problem to me which has been something that's been ongoing the entire season right it seems like the offensive line has been an issue the entire season and then this happens and then they don't catch any of the blame for this and especially in you know I I know they I feel like they yes they pass block fine but the thing is if you can't even get the playoff you know what's the point I mean it it's it's frustrating and mind-boggling to watch if you're a Penn State fan and if you're somebody from the outside like me just looking at it you're like easy fixes just making sure that your quarterback you have to pull your quarterback aside or get the linemen together and just realize okay this is what we're going to do from now on yeah and it seems like one of those situations like you said where it should be an easy fix this should not be something that they have to spend practice time fixing right it should have been something that one would think would be fixed during the game uh but it wasn't and they continued to have those issues um, like I said, I, and I agree with you, I think the offensive line deserves to take blame here. I think Roberson does. I think Franklin does. I think the whole operation uh, sort of set set him up to fail in that game. Um, and it shouldn't be that surprise, uh, that much of a surprise that he failed, right? Um, and he, you know, it, it's unfortunate for Penn State the way it happened because they really just needed one possession where they would have uh, could have driven the ball down the field and gotten a score, and they probably win that game anyways. But while Clifford was in there, they were, I mean, they were up 17-3. to three. Clifford had thrown two interceptions, and neither of them ended up mattering. One was at the six-yard line, and Iowa had to settle for a field goal because Penn State's defense was so good. The other, uh, Jaquan Brisker returned the favor and picked off Spencer Petras shortly thereafter. So neither neither interception ended up mattering. Uh, but And, you know, Penn State was in an excellent position, even with Iowa winning the turnover battle to that point. Of course, they don't close it out. The defense looked phenomenal, as always. I don't think we need to say a whole lot about that. Um, the, the injuries, however, that, that hit Penn state were, were pretty rough. PJ must out for the season, uh, after leaving in the first quarter, I believe of that game and staying down on the field when he got booed, which was a common theme for Iowa fans during the game. Uh, then Jaquan Brisker went down in the game. Devon Ellis went down in the game. Um, Arnold Ebicady went down in the game. Boo after boo after boo of these teams. James Franklin dressed this already last week. Uh, he went on probably his. This was probably his longest response to a question since I started covering the team in a secondary role uh, a couple years ago, and definitely the longest this year since I started covering in March. Uh, a long answer about how it's bad for college football after Kirk Ferentz had a strange comment basically defending the fans, saying that they smelled a rat. And I tell you what, uh, you know, he can say whatever he wants, but none of those guys that got hurt seem to be like they're, they're all provable why they happened, right? Jaquan Brisker has been down in several games this year after making plays on the ball, after making hits. Uh, we, you know, we've seen, uh, we've seen now that PJ Mustafer is out for the year, clearly was not faking an injury. Devon Ellis was out for a little bit, was Mustafer's backup. I don't know why you would want to go third string on the depth chart just to fake an injury. And on, then Arnold Abacady came up limping the, pre, the play before, goes down again after he seemingly was cramping. Franklin kind of insinuated that last week. I think that's probably a safe bet. 
clearly was not faking an injury to face the 70th fastest offense in the in uh, college football. Excuse me. Uh, just like ludicrous across the board, right? Like this, this is stupid that it was a thing. It was stupid that people got booed and then it got blown out of proportion because it was a stupid response by Kirk Ferentz. I mean, well, Kirk Ferentz has not a lot of room to talk just based off of, um, you know, certain investigations that are going on at that school. But, um, you know, I'm going to leave that at that. I, I just don't think I don't think people should take what he has to say with a grain. I mean, they have to take what he says with a grain of salt because of, you know, the person who he is and the person that, you know, I, I don't think these, uh, you know, certain allegations against him, um, you know, give him a leg to stand on right now. And I'll, I'll just leave it at that because I don't want to spend a lot of time talking about it. I think he, you know, we know we know what kind of situation that he's in. So it is what it is. Yeah, and I mean, it's just I don't know. I I think it's crazy that, that these guys were. And the 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 craziest part of it is, and we'll move on pretty quickly from this because it's been uh, discussed ad nauseum. The PJ Mustafer, he was the first guy to go down, and he was immediately booed. This was not like oh the fourth or fifth guy. He went down, done for the year again. And gets boot. Just, I mean, just makes absolutely zero sense. And it seemed like, honestly, as soon as he got booed, it set the tone for the rest of the day that guys were just going to get booed when they went down. Yeah. And so the fans sort of stuck to it. But anyways, that's and enough. It, it, or go ahead. What well, were you going to say? I was just about to say, they did the same thing. I don't know if people knew this, but uh, when uh, Dante Demas went down in the Maryland game uh, against Iowa. Um, I do remember that. They booed him. So, and these are Iowa fans that traveled, I don't know how many miles to come to Maryland just to uh, boo Dante Demas, who blew his knee out um, at his home stadium. So, yeah, they, you know, I'm, I, I mean. Clearly a common theme here. Yeah. Right. This that's, is. That's what they do. This is, this is not all that surprising. Um, of course, that, that game, as we said earlier, ended in a 23 to 20 loss for Penn State. Um, you know, we'll get into the big, big picture later. Iowa did then go on to lose to Purdue this past weekend uh, in Kinnick Stadium um, in a in a pretty uh, rough showing, honestly, by the Hawkeyes. Uh, but you know that that's not going to impact Penn State as much right now. That that will be part of that discussion later. But right now, Penn State is trying to figure out the quarterback position, as you said earlier. Sounds like uh, you know Roberson and Veyu are actually in a in a battle in a competition in, in uh, practice. James Franklin said as much today. He said they're going to split the reps evenly, which I think is very interesting. I don't think it's wrong. Uh, I think Christian Veyu is very talented. I think Roberson has enough talent and was put in a position where he couldn't succeed, and you know the practice reps would help him. But do you, based on and again, this is very limited viewing. We've probably seen less than I would say at this point less than two hundred and three hundred minutes of practice so far since uh, fall camp started in early August. But do you think Veyu can present something different, at least, than Roberson did? I mean, Veyu, I look at his arm, and I, I like his arm. You know, it's very similar to, you know, one thing we saw with, uh, I think, with Sean Clifford is that I, I looked at Taquan Roberson. Taquan Roberson looked like the most accurate of the three. But then I looked at Veyu's arm and – his accuracy and then I'm like Veyu kind of gives you a little bit of both maybe not as great of an arm as Sean Clifford maybe not as accurate as Taquan Roberson but somewhere in the middle but you know kind of the best of both worlds and I don't know how much I haven't I haven't seen a lot of even though Veyu's actually coming from a school that was in a state <laughs> that I used to live in 
I didn't get to see a lot of him in high school, so I don't I can't speak on what he did in high school as much. But I know one thing is that he looked pretty he looked pretty decent um, with some of his throws, especially last week when we got the watchman practice just for, you know, the lot of time that we usually get to watch Penn State's practices. But um, every Wednesday, 20 minutes. <laughs> At best. <laughs> yeah, at best. Uh, but no, I, I think that's an excellent point. Um, I don't know that, honestly, Veyu may have a stronger arm than Clifford. Uh, I, I, it's probably close, but that's, you know, that's based off, obviously, we haven't seen him play a game. So who's not, like, because Roberson, like you said, in practice, looked like the most accurate of three. He goes out on the field Saturday and does not look accurate whatsoever. Uh, and it looked like a major problem. So based on watching Veyu, uh, you know, the, what little highlights and full games you can find of him online, like, it seems like he's got the strongest arm of the bunch. Um, it, it played out a little bit like that in practice, but they each had their moments. I think the if they're convinced that Roberson is not the guy, right? Like if Roberson is not going to be a starting quarterback for Penn State in the future, I think it behooves them to start Veyu this weekend against Illinois. Now, they haven't ruled out Sean Clifford yet, uh, but James Franklin said that that Veyu and Roberson will be splitting reps in practice 50-50. And again, I, we're not going to jump to conclusions here, but you can sort of read between the lines if you if you want to there. Um, and if, if it's not going to be Clifford, I think Veyu is is the better choice. It may not be obvious. It may not be a a home run choice, but give him the opportunity. Let him go against a team that, frankly, isn't very good in Illinois. Uh, and that's, that's one other thing I want to touch on. We're probably not going to talk so much about Illinois because I could go out there at quarterback with my uh, lack of ability, which is currently zero, and lead Penn State to a win against Illinois. That is not a good football team. Brett Bielema threw the team under the bus and said how oh, yeah. horrible they were this week, which is a real hot start to your week uh, as a head coach. Like, just, I mean, I, listen, he's done it before. It's not all that surprising. But, man, to just shove all those guys under the bus at once is pretty impressive. Um, so I'm, I, we're not going to talk too much about Illinois and, and that the game itself, but I do think they, they're enough of a walkover that Penn State should take this as an opportunity to play some guys that need to be played. And if it's Roberson, then it's got to be Roberson. But if it's not Roberson, then again, Veyu should get a shot here just to prove that he's not as good as Roberson is, and then you can go back to Roberson moving forward as you need to. Yeah, I mean, at this point, <laughs> it's going to be – I think it's going to be really funny to see, you know – I mean, with Illinois, <laughs> do you get do you get in a situation where you just start throwing out walk-ons <laughs> just letting them play quarterback because, like, at the – you know, if my coach said that about me, which I've had happen in high school, um, you know, if that coach said something about my team and was like, oh, yeah, well, you guys suck, you know, that's not going to motivate me. That's just going to make me mad and be like, you know what, forget this. And I know some people, they get motivated by different things, but Illinois, I don't think they're coming to play on Saturday. You know, I, I think they're going to be checked out when they come into this game. They checked out as soon as Bielema said that. Yes. So I, I don't I don't see any good situation for them, um, you know. On the Penn State side, let's see some of these young guys cook. You know, let's see some of these young guys get in the game, make some plays. Um, you know, I I still want to see some more Zachy Wheatley. Uh, I I think we saw we saw a good portion of him in the was it the Villanova game or was it the Ball State game? I, I can't it was remember the Villanova yeah. game. And he had a he had a pretty good. I mean, he looked pretty good in coverage. Um, you know, may, maybe if uh, you know, I don't I don't believe that Landon Tengwall has played at all this season. But you know, maybe if you get into a situation where you just beat the snot out of them, 
you know, you throw him in, get him some reps in, in game. Um, you know, just I want to I want to see some young guys play. That's that's about it. I mean, they just need to get in a situation where they could do that, get some guys some seasoning. Um, you know, if I'm <laughs> if I'm James Franklin, I'm telling the fans to yell while the offense is on the field so you could get things uh, <laughs> so you could start practicing. They're good reps. <laughs> exactly. So, you know, it, it probably it's probably even harder when you got a hundred something thousand people yelling anyway. So. I mean, but all jokes aside, I think they, you know, you want to be in a situation where, you know, your young guys are getting reps. And I, I think that's something that they could do. Yeah. And, and usually I think that is the right decision. And earlier in the year, that would have been a better decision. The problem is now if if Clifford is not going to be be able to go this weekend and if he can't go against Ohio State, then maybe you just keep the first team out there with wh- whichever quarterback you're comfortable with to get them as many reps as you can and prepare them for that game in the shoe. Because, like, listen – if if Bayou or Roberson has to go into the horseshoe and start against Ohio State in a matchup of two top ten teams, and they they don't have a full game of experience, Penn State is going to be in trouble. Like, and if you're about maximizing the season and maximizing what you can get, I think I think defensively you're absolutely right. Like we we could see Wheelie, we could see Jamari Button, we could see those guys at the end of the game. Although they they were bad enough against Villanova that it almost like set the team back like as a unit. Uh, that that quickly became a thirty eight to seventeen game that was actually never that close. Um, but I, I do think offensively they've got to keep this group out there as long as they can, whichever group it is. If it's Veyu, keep Veyu out there. If it's Roberson, keep Roberson out there. But those guys need reps so badly that once you decide on who it is, you've got to stick to them, stick to it, and hope for the best. And if if Veyu goes out there and fails, and you got to go back to Roberson. Then Roberson's got to be in the rest of the game because he's got to get all the reps. If you go with Roberson and realize it's not him, and go with Veyu. Then Veyu's got to be in the rest of the game because you got to get him those reps. Because even if, let's say, Clifford plays against Ohio State, and again, we don't even know that he won't play against Illinois, but it, if he plays against Ohio State and there's a chance for re-injury with the undisclosed injury, then you know you want to have those guys ready if that comes because there's still Michigan, there's still Michigan State on the schedule later. So they need to make sure that these quarterbacks are ready to go uh, in case something happens to Clifford again or in case he's out for an extended period because as Saturday, or as last Saturday proved, they aren't ready right now. No, at all. And that's, I mean, truthfully, that's unacceptable that they weren't ready at all. You know, it's, I, coming into that game, I'm like, okay, well, I mean, coming out into the the second half of that game, when they announced that Sean Clifford was out for the rest of the game, I'm sitting there thinking, okay, Taquan Roberson should be able to, you know, at least game manage himself into a good situation where, you know, maybe, maybe the game's close, but they still win the game, you know, and that didn't even happen. I mean, I, I think if you take away to me, if you take away a chunk of those penalties that happens uh, that happen uh, during the game and, you know, a, a number of other th- I mean, a couple other things with Roberson just, you know, I feel like like we say about Clifford at times, Clifford gets skittish in the pocket. But I also feel like they have more cohesion with Clifford. So it it kind of evens itself out. It's like, okay, Jahan Dotson has caught God knows how many balls from, you know, Sean Clifford. And, um, you know, Taquan Roberson doesn't have the same rapport with his receivers as Clifford does. So, of course, you know, they're not going to be able to trail some of them. I mean, if he if he throws a bad pass, you know, it could go any way, any which way but the right way. So, you know, it just – it's tough all around, and honestly, they just have to they have to work at it. They have to get 
you know, more season with him. Like you said, uh, you know, whoever plays better needs to get the majority of the reps for that next game. And, you know, if Sean Clifford does come back before then, which we don't know if he will or not, but, you know, just to be sure, just get whoever is playing the best, the most reps and just call it a day. Yeah. And, and that's the thing, like, this game Saturday in Penn State and Frank James Franklin will always talk about 1-0, 1-0, 1-0, 1-0. Well, it's Tuesday. I'm ready to declare them 1-0 against Illinois. Uh, Franklin would not like to hear that, but, I mean, come on. This Illinois is quickly turning into a bit of a joke, especially with the, the Bielema comments this week. Like, just insanity uh, that, that that stuff is happening uh, at all. But this is a game that Penn State is going to win, and I'm, I'm sure this will be thrown in my face like no other if somehow they don't. But Penn State's going to win this game. So you need to be forward-thinking in this. You cannot be singularly-minded and just winning the game because you have to be ready for Ohio State. Beating Illinois does not matter if you don't beat Ohio State, Michigan, and Michigan State because that loss to Iowa took away Penn State's margin for error. They can no longer lose a game and still hope to make the college football playoff. And that leads us into the bigger picture discussion of this, right? Like this loss to Iowa, what it means for Penn State. What and, and again, I apologize. We're just really not going to talk about Illinois that much. Like Owen Carney's a good defensive end, and like there's your Illinois analysis. That is about the extent of it. Um, but the the big picture uh, ramifications of this loss to Iowa. What do you perceive them to be? Because I've you know we I'm sure we both have strong opinions about this. But how do you think it impacts Penn State from a resume and college football playoff standpoint? Well, they're not getting into college football playoff now. I can just assure you of that um, because I think whatever Ohio State does, and if Ohio State wins against Penn State, it's you can kiss it goodbye. Because this is the thing I think you know Penn State's going to win a lot of games still. That's a given. I still think they're going to win 10 games. I'm convinced of that. But, you know, I also think that winning that that 11th game puts them – if they if they beat Ohio State, that changes things. But um, I still – before the season started, I'm like, okay, well, I think Ohio State's the best team in the Big Ten. Um, I mean, they've, they've regrouped, honestly. I mean, they look better. Not only that, but, like, their one loss comes from out of conference, too. I think math-wise – if you lose, if Penn State were to lose two games and Ohio State loses two games and then they also still have that one loss out of conference, that puts them in a way better situation. And, you know, I think Michigan's losing two games possibly. I think Michigan State's losing two games. So if all four of those teams between Penn State, Michigan State, Ohio State all lose two games, you know, I, I mean, Ohio State's in the best position, right? So I, I just think that Penn State, they're in the outside looking. They're on the outside looking in unless they have to just beat Ohio State. That's just the key. If you beat Ohio State, I think that changes everything. But as of right now, I don't think they're making the college football playoff. And I think they're right outside of it. I think Fiesta Bowl, maybe, I, I, if that. So I, if Penn State goes undefeated to me, they're in the playoff. Yeah. Uh, the. So a couple of years ago, this was back probably in 2017, I want to say, maybe 2017. I don't remember. Uh, but back when I was a student journalist, uh, I went to a college football playoff selection committee, basically a mock committee where you sort of run through the process. And they do this for media members that aren't students either to get a – you run through the, the process of being on the committee so you can understand what it's like. You you know, you take part in you know these fake meetings about a particular year. I think it was 2012 was the year we discussed – 
Um, but you go through it all and you realize in that process that like th- my big takeaway from this game is that if Penn State goes undefeated, they will completely ignore the Iowa loss because Clifford did not play. They were in control when he played. And if he is healthy, and this is a big, big if, because again, we don't know his status, but if he's healthy come playoff time and they, they haven't lost outside of Iowa, they will be getting in the playoff because that will almost be completely you know, uh, stricken from the record that they lost that game. Because the other thing here is if Iowa makes the Big Ten title game, Penn State can then avenge that loss and prove that they would have won that game anyways on a, in a new, on a neutral field. So they're in an excellent position if they can win out to make the college football playoff. And there is not a bigger if than if they can win out. Uh, because Ohio State, like you said, is hitting its stride. They look like by far the best team in the Big Ten. By far the best offense in the Big Ten, potentially the best offense in the country. Um, Michigan, I'm very skeptical of, and I will be until they beat someone. And, you know, (laughs) winning a close game against Nebraska is not exactly going to impress me. Um, winning against a Washington team that couldn't beat Montana is not going to impress me. Uh, Michigan state, listen, they're fun, right? Mel Tucker's a really good coach. It seems, uh, they're, they're undefeated. He's not going to LSU, by the way. Stop that. (laughs) Hey, I'm not rolling anything out. Uh, but the, with the, the teams they've played at Michigan State, like, listen, they, they struggled against Indiana. Indiana, as we know, just kind of isn't that good and doesn't have much offensively. Like you said, Michigan State's probably not much of a real threat. So this comes down to then Penn State and, Penn State and Ohio State. And if Penn State loses that game against Ohio State and Ohio State doesn't lose another game, Ohio State goes to the Big Ten title game because they have the better conference record. If Ohio State loses a game, if Penn State, or if, excuse me, if Ohio State beats Penn State and then loses to Michigan, Ohio State still goes to the Big Ten title game because they have the better conference record, right? So, like, there is Penn State must beat Ohio State to have any hopes of, of achieving the goals they want to. And honestly, like, if they lose to Ohio State, maybe they do lose to Michigan and Michigan State because they talked about after losing to Iowa that their goals are still all out in front of them, right? Like, Jesse Lucchetta even said, like, this is not over. This is not the end for us. I believe it was Lucchetta who said it, that our goals are still out ahead of us is what he said. And if that is true for them, then their goal must be the college football playoff still. Losing another game ends that goal and ends it pretty quickly. Yeah, and they have to they have to get that W um, against Ohio State. I mean, first, you know, as I think that, one, they have to – I mean, they have to win with style points too. Not, not necessarily against Ohio State. I think Ohio State, you just have to beat them head up. But – um you know, I, I think that the committee seems to, you know, the fact that it, it was weird to me. Well, I guess not the committee, but it was weird. To, and I know the AP poll doesn't mean anything until. That's co- correct. It doesn't it doesn't, it doesn't mean, mean anything, anything ever. Yeah. At any point. Yeah. In, in determining the college football playoff. Right? Yeah. It is, however, fun. It is very fun. And the AP poll was uh, pretty weird this week. Um, You know, it, it, it was interesting to me that like Michigan. So they jumped Penn State, but they didn't jump Ohio State, and they and yet they have a better record than Ohio State. But I don't necessarily think they're a better team than Penn State. So it's like, what's the point of jumping over? I mean, it doesn't matter, like you said. But it was just it was just a interesting observation that I had about that. But you know, I, I just think that Penn State they have to get they have to beat. I mean, they have to beat everybody. It's just I mean that just goes without saying. They have to beat everybody in the regular season. They have to smoke Iowa when they when they play them in the in the um it, it, if they play them yeah, in the big if they play game. them in a big after time. listen after Iowa beat Purdue 
I am not counting any win as a guarantee for Iowa. That was putrid. That or was, Purdue beat Iowa, but yeah. Sorry, when Purdue beat Iowa, <laughs> that was just ugly. Like, Purdue is not that good offensively. David Bell is very, very good. Probably the second best wide receiver in the Big Ten behind Jahan Dotson. But that is not an offense that should have been able to score as well as it did. And it's not a uh, a defense that should have been able to stop its offense. But and, and listen, Purdue does have a good defense, better than usual. But, I mean, Iowa's offense is just so bad. So, so bad. So I don't even really have faith that they're going to make it to the Big Ten title game. But they, as it stands, I believe they're currently set to. So we'll call them the favorites at least. And the West is pretty bad. So that gives them a shot. But, man, that's, the, the, this is the thing that, that gets me. Like, there have been a lot of, there's been a lot of talk about you know, Iowa losing that game, making Penn State look worse. I don't think that's the case because it's a completely different set of circumstances. You have to you have to point out that Clifford was in the game, they were destroying them, then Clifford was not in the game, and then they were losing. And it's pretty simple, right? Like, And they still almost hung on to win at that point because Iowa's offense can't really do anything even when it has the ball. So, yeah, there was a lot of... Uh, uh, a lot of schadenfreude from a lot of people this week that are Penn State fans uh, enjoying Iowa's loss. But I think it's, you know, if you're Iowa, you have to be concerned about how the rest of your season goes. And I don't even think they're guaranteed to to make the Big Ten title game. And, you know, I mean, Iowa's I mean, they're the, they were the worst number two team that I've ever seen in my entire existence. There was there was a year. It was I think it was the first year of the college football playoff, maybe. I don't remember what year it was. Where Mississippi State and Ole Miss were top four. Do you remember that? Yeah, I do. When, when they were top four, that is the only time. Was that, was that the year that Dak was Dak was, was there? Right, that was Dak at yeah. Mississippi State, and I cannot remember who was on that Ole Miss team. Um, for the life of me, uh, I believe it was like 2014 or something like yeah. that. Yeah, that was 15. that was after uh, Jeremiah Masoli. <laughs> yes, uh, Masoli was awesome at yeah, Oregon. He too. was like, he, what, what year was he there? Like 2000. Uh, I think he was done in 13. Okay, yeah, uh, but yeah, the. That Ole Miss team and that those Mississippi State teams have a strong, strong argument for being worse than this Iowa team because Iowa's defense is at least like really good. But uh, I don't know; it, it, it's at, at the very least close. Bo Wallace, Bo Wallace—that's a name. Oh, that is a name, man. Bo Wallace was was uh, was glorious to watch. It reminded me of another Bo and Bo Nix. And their just willingness to just put it all out there and throw the oh, ball up. Joe, but you you want me to tell you something though? Bo Nix has been balling. Yes, lately. Yes, he has. And and the thing well, is, listen, too, TJ Finley started nipping at his heels, and he decided that he wanted to keep that starting job. I mean, honestly, and then I'll, I'll even say this about Bo Nix is that well, I'll even say this about Auburn. That Auburn win looks even better now than it did when they when they actually beat them. And I think Auburn Auburn's playing really well to the point that you know. They don't, maybe they're a uh, a uh, a remix of the Chris Davis uh, field goal return. <laughs> so I was I was just about to say that this always seems to happen. Auburn seems like they're just good enough to beat Bama, and I think they're going to beat Bama. Like I, listen, it's out there. I know Bama's probably going to go undefeated, but I really think in my heart of hearts that Auburn is about to beat Bama and and throw their and upend their entire season again. I would. Look, I wouldn't be surprised. I'm right there with you. I think Auburn, this Auburn team is a very, I think Penn State beat one of the best teams in the country. I, I truly believe that because I think Auburn, we have to give Auburn their credit. It seems like when everybody was talking about how sexy of a pick like Arkansas was, everybody was talking Yikes. about, you know, 
and me, and I was that yeah. was me included. But Arkansas was playing well at one point. I just don't think, as, as our wonderful producer Noah just pointed out, yes, you absolutely were one of those. Yes, people. I was one of those people. But that was the thing. Like Arkansas was rolling at one point, and I think Auburn Auburn's a better team than a good chunk of those SEC teams that are right there, a tier below Alabama, a tier below Georgia. And I don't think anybody's beating Georgia. Let's be completely honest. Georgia's the best team. They're one of the best college football teams I've seen in a very long time. If your backup quarterback can play, well, here's okay. The, here's the thing, though. Like, Stetson Bennett might be better for this team than JT Daniels just because Stetson Bennett can move, right? Yes. Like, JT Daniels is a bit of a statue back there, and he adds more dynamism uh, to their offense. I'm with you, though. I think... I think Auburn's probably a top 15, 20 team in the country and is only going to continue to get better, and that ranking will continue to rise. It'll look better for Penn State, which is good because the Wisconsin loss looks, or the Wisconsin win doesn't look as good, and the Indiana win doesn't look as good, and now they have an Iowa loss to go with it. So I do think, you know, at the end of the day, Wisconsin's probably going to finish with a good record. But almost losing a game to to Army is uh, not a great look. Uh, so anything Penn State can get to help its resume is beneficial at this point. But like we said, they go undefeated, they'll be in the playoff. They don't go undefeated, they won't be in the playoff. And that's what it comes down to at this point. All right, and let's quickly transition to our predictions uh, where, you know, Penn, I mean, Penn State's going to win the football game by a lot on Saturday. But I will let you go first. Score, winner, Penn State, Illinois. 53-7. to seven. Oh, come on now. We need a little reasoning on that. You can't just. Hey, look, you know, I think that if they do go Veyu, I think Veyu just chucks. I just think he chucks the whole game. Just just let him throw the ball 40 times and call it a day. I would enjoy it. Uh, I will go with Penn State 35 to 7. Uh, Illinois score, scores in garbage time when it doesn't matter. Uh, Penn State should be able to score enough to. You know, put whoever they want out there for an extended period of time. But thirty put Noah out there. Oh. Noah's, Noah's starting safety somehow, even though he's like 120 pounds let's not soaking get, wet. Let's not get crazy out there. <laughs> 135. There, there you have it. Uh, we call that half a John. But uh, that'll do a it for this week. Kyle. <laughs> that'll do it for this week's episode of The Lion's Lair. Uh, you can find Kyle and I's work at the Center Daily Times. And you can find all of that online at centerdaily.com. You can subscribe to the Center Daily Times uh, with a special discounted rate at centerdaily.com backslash sports podcast. You can find Kyle and I on Twitter at KyleJAndrews underscore, and I am at John Sauber. Thank you for tuning in, and have a great day.